All right, well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me over to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Now, we have been studying verse by verse through the book of Romans, and today we are focusing in on really, we, we, you might say we turn a corner. For the last three weeks, maybe four weeks, we have been talking about basically how bad man is, how messed up he's made the world. By the way, man is the reason the world is messed up. Let's never blame God for that. People say, well, you know, why doesn't God do something? By the way, he is going to do something. He is going to do something. He's just allowing more time to go on for more people to be saved before he takes his church out of the world and then his wrath then will get poured out on the world. That is coming in the future. But uh, the world is as messed up as it is today, and we'll say more about that in a few minutes, because of man's sin. And we've made a mess of things. And the truth of it is, everybody in this room, including me, is a sinner. We have a nature in us, our old sin nature, that is a real problem. And that has to be dealt with. And there's a penalty that goes along with the sin that we commit. Now, we've honored our veterans today for serving in our armed forces and being willing to die for us. Some who were willing did, in fact pay the ultimate price for our freedom. Today we're looking at someone, though, who paid the most life-changing sacrifice for all of us. Remember, the whole idea of war and death is because of man's sin. If there wasn't sin in the world, there would not be death, there would not be war. These are all results of man's fall, okay? His fall. And so let's look at several issues here today. The first is this. We one more time want to visit where we have been and talk about the terrible dilemma that we are in as human beings. The terrible dilemma we are in. And listen, let me just bring this home today, okay? Hatred, killing, viciousness, attacking, broken homes, abuse, okay? Sorrow sickness, disease. It's all because of sin. Every single bit of it. If man would not have sinned, we would not have the problems we do in the world today. And folks, it is not going to change until Jesus Christ comes back. The terrible dilemma we are in. We see in Romans 3 verse 19, it says, now we know that what things soever the law saith, the law is talking about the commandments of God, the righteous commandments of God. We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, watch this, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. According to scripture, all the world stands guilty and condemned in the eyes of God. Now that includes you and that includes me. Now we tend to like to compare ourselves. Well, wait a minute, I don't like that or I'm offended by that. I'm not as bad as, you know, and we'll find somebody who's worse than we are. But here's the truth of it. God's standard for righteousness is his own. His own. God's standard for righteousness is perfection. And friend, if you're going to make it to heaven, you have to be literally, according to the Bible, as righteous as God himself. Now you might say, well, no one is that. Not in themselves. You are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. See, all the world stands guilty and condemned in the eyes of God. No one 
who is in heaven, by the way. There are people in heaven. We'll tell you how to get there today. No one who is in heaven today is bragging about how their good works got them there because your good works can't get you to heaven. Now, you may have never heard that before, but I want you to understand it today. Your good works will not help you get there. The law, the commandments, does not save us, but what they do is they show us we are sinners, okay? You notice in verse 20, it says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, okay? The law, the commandments of God, have you ever met somebody, maybe you're here, and this is what you've always believed, you say to him, well, are you going to heaven when you die? Well, I think I am. Well, why is that? Well, I, I, I try to keep the commandments as best I can. Well, here's the point, though, friend. Keeping the commandments, nowhere in the Bible does it say, by that you're going to get to heaven. Because none of us keeps them perfectly, and that would be the requirement. If you're going to get there by the law, you're going to have to be perfect. Well, if you're perfect, you don't need a payment for your sin because you're not a sinner. But the fact that we're sinners shows we have a need. The law is like a mirror. The Ten Commandments is like a mirror. You know, you look at a mirror, and what does a mirror do? It it shows you that you have dirt on your face or you need to comb your hair or whatever. Now, you don't take the mirror and say, okay, I'm going to clean up with this. Well, that's what people think. It doesn't work that way. It shows us we need to be clean. That's what the commandments do. They show us where we fall short. And by the way, that is actually what the Bible teaches about the commandments. No one will ever be saved by trying to keep the law and the commandments. The law does not save us. It simply shows us that we are sinners. But you know, some people say this. You say, okay, well, I can't, I understand I've blown it. But you know what? I'm going to get, and this is where people today got these weird ideas, that if you promise God, you're going to turn over a new leaf. If you promise God, you're going to do better. If you promise God, you're going to quit all the wrong things you've been doing because now you're scared after hearing a message, you think, I don't want to be lost. I don't want to go to hell when I die. Therefore, I'm going to straighten up and I'm going to quit all my bad habits and and I'm going to do right and I'm not going to be involved in this sin or that sin and that'll take care of it. No, no, it won't. See, those who break the law stand before the judge. Even if you promise to keep the law and the commandments from this point on, and even if you could, you still have a debt to pay for the crimes already committed. Isn't that just even the way the the system goes? You commit a crime, you rob a bank or you speed or whatever, you go to court, you stand there, and a judge says, boy, you, you you, I declare you as guilty And this is this price you have to pay. And you think, oh boy, I'm going to be 10 years in jail because of this this sentence that I'm getting. And so you stand there and you say, you know, judge, look, I know I've done wrong, but I promise, I promise, if you let me off, I promise not to do it anymore. And he might say something like this. Well, I hope you don't, but you still have to pay for what you've done. Folks, That is where we find ourselves. And that is where you are today, as well as me, that our sin has to be paid for. And we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark of God's perfection. We are sinners. We are guilty. We are condemned. 
We are helpless to save ourselves. That means if we die in that condition, if we die in that condition, we are going to be lost for all eternity and we're going to be separated from God. And here's the issue today. And this is what we need. To, we're about to turn a corner in our study. But here's the issue you need to understand. There's nothing in yourself you can do to fix it. Now, if you die without your sins forgiven, you'll be lost forever. And there are no second chances according to the Bible. So we see the terrible dilemma we are in. But the message today, when terrible turns to wonderful, Secondly, we see the wonderful provision that God has made. And this is where this really, really gets exciting. All right? You might say, why in the world did you ever go into the pastorate? Why in the world would you ever want to be a pastor? It's because of the good news that I'm about to share with you. This is it. This is why I do what I do. Because I want people to understand what I'm about to share with you. And this is the best news you will ever hear. Here in Romans chapter 3, we see our condemnation, the dilemma we're in, in verses 19 and 20. But then look at verse 21. It says this, but now. You see that, but now? The word but is the word of contrast. It says, okay, this has been pretty bleak up to this point in our study. But now, let me tell you this good news that we have. But now the righteousness of God, look at what it says, without the law is manifested, made known. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. By the way, this is the message of the law and the prophets. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of or in Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Notice this. The righteousness of God is what we need. We get that through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's upon all them that believe. Now the word faith is the noun form of the word believe, which would be the verb, okay? So faith in Jesus Christ will bring you the righteousness of God. It'll bring you eternal life. You might say, just just like that? I'll explain a little bit more about this in a moment. But yes, just like that. And God is saying, will you believe? Will you trust in Jesus Christ? Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If you will, God will give you as a gift everlasting life. Why? Because he paid the price for our sins. So we don't have to pay the price. That's the good news. Look at verse 22 again. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. You see, in contrast to man's failure, God has provided for us a glorious salvation. And it is by something that the Bible calls grace. Now, I hope I can explain these things clearly today because we're, we're looking at these powerful, powerful concepts that we need to understand. Let me cover several defining issues that describe what God has done for us, okay? The first is this, we need the righteousness of God. Now, I know I already touched on that, but we need to understand it. You do the best you can do, okay? If, if we were to rate people by their works, okay? And you say, well, this, oh, this person lives a more righteous life than this one. Oh, this one, oh, this one, man, they're bad news. I mean, they're way down here. They're, they're like, they're a, they're a disaster. Or, or this person here, well, they're kind of in between and all that. No, God says this, here's what you need to get in. You need to be just as righteous as I am. You know, folks, that blows us all out of the water. We, I mean, we don't have a chance. 
We don't have a chance. And that is, that is why Jesus came. We need the righteousness of God. Okay, This is what we need to live with God forever. God's standard is perfection, and we have already missed the mark. And that, by the way, that's what the word sin means. It means to miss the mark, to miss the mark. Secondly, we come short of that righteousness. Why? Well, because we're sinners. Let's say for an example, I, I had a, a couple rocks in my hand, a couple rocks, larger rocks. And I picked two of you in the room here, and I said, hey, I want you to come up here. Will you, will you cooperate with me in, a, in an experiment? Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. I said, there's no tricks, okay, just come up, and we're going to have a contest. Okay, what's the contest? Well, here you go. I'll give you a rock. They're both the same weight. They're both the same size, so this contest is fair. And here's the goal. I want you to throw the rock from here to the moon. You might say, what was that? I said, I want you to throw that rock from here to the moon. Now, you know, one of you may be an ex-major league baseball pitcher or an outfielder with an arm like a rifle, and you can try the very best you can, and both of you can throw, and no doubt somebody might throw further than the other one, but both of you are going to end up miserably short. That is exactly what God is trying to tell us. You might as well give up trying to save yourself because you need perfection, okay? We come short of the righteousness of God. But let me also say, how do we get that? Well, we receive God's righteousness by faith alone in Jesus Christ, and it is faith alone in Christ alone. You see, this is amazing, a lot of people today will say, well, Jesus is necessary, but I also, have to, I also have to do my part. Now, let me just say something here to where no one misunderstands. We believe, and in this church believes, that Christians ought to live a godly life. We should live a godly life, okay? We should do good unto other people and so forth. But the confusion comes in where people say, and that's part of how you get to heaven. Friend, remember... You can't make it. You can't throw that far. It's never going to happen, okay? You can take that rock and you can throw it as far as you want, but you're never going to make it to heaven by your works. No, it is only through what Jesus Christ did. That is why he came. We receive God's righteousness by faith alone in Christ alone. It is not our adding something to what Christ has done, for we have nothing to offer. Let's get that through our heads. We're spiritually bankrupt. This is the reason that the Bible says going to heaven is by this thing called grace. Now grace, you know, if you were to ask people, most people, we do this every summer at the fair, by the way, at our, when we do evangelism at the fair. If you were to ask somebody, what is grace? That is a, unless you know what it is, that is a hard word to define. Most people will say something like, well, it, it means to be uh, fluid in your motions. You know, they think like a ballerina is graceful, all right? Uh, or, or they'll say this, well, that means when you sit down to eat, you, you pray before you eat. Well, we call that grace. But that's not really what grace is, all right? Look at verse 24, it says this. Now, let's get the, let's get the flow. Verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. 
But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified freely, freely, look at that word, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, a satisfactory payment, through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God. And there's a lot in verses 24 and 25. Let's look at verse 24 carefully, though, in reverse, and you'll get the flow of what God has done. Because it is there that we see what God has so amazingly provided for you and me. Look at it. You notice it says in verse 24, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, our redemption. What does that mean, redemption? Well, salvation for us is possible only because the price has been paid. Okay, the redemption is a payment that is made to redeem. God could not justify us without a price being paid because it would violate his holiness and justice, okay? Our sins must be paid for. There are people who teaching today, listen, I know they mean well, but they're just flat wrong. They say, well, you know, God is a God of love. He's just gonna let everybody in. He can't. He is a God of love, but just as much as he's a God of love, he's a God of justice and holiness. He can't let us in. He can't just let the sin go He's a God of justice, and it has to be paid for. And by the way, you believe in justice. If you had a loved one who was brutally murdered, you would want justice, wouldn't you? You would want justice, and that is correct. That is the way it should be. Very important to see it. Salvation is possible only because the price has been paid. Okay, our sin has to be paid for. The the good news and the glory of the message is that Jesus Christ himself took our sin. He took it upon himself and he made the payment for us so that we would not have to. That is what God has done, friend. This, This is a marvelous thing. You can't save yourself. We stand guilty and condemned before God. We can't get to heaven by our good deeds. We can never measure up. We need to be as righteous as God. And God knowing that, loving us, knowing our sin has to be paid for, says, okay, man cannot do it. But you know what? Here you go. Because I love him so much, I will come and make the payment myself so he can live with me forever in heaven. My justice has to be satisfied. I'm sending my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to make the satisfactory payment. Look up here, let me show you this illustration. If this hand were to represent you and me and my wallet, our sin. Again, we're sinners, we cannot save ourselves. Heaven's a perfect place to get in. You have to be perfect, none of us are. Sin has to be paid for. The best works you can do are the works of the law. And guess what? The works of the law, we've seen that will not save you. So what are we going to do? Watch this. Watch this. Because we are lost, guilty, condemned, destined for an eternity separated from God, God says, I love you so much. I will come to your rescue. 
this hand representing the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And you'll notice he doesn't have any sin because he's God. He's righteous. When Jesus went to the cross, friend, he paid the ultimate sacrifice. When Jesus went to that cross, all that sin that we've done or ever will do in our whole lifetime, he took it upon himself. He said, I'll pay for it for you so you don't have to. And he shed his blood and he died and three days later rose from the grave to prove it. And here's what he said. I've paid for your sin. If you'll trust in me that I made that payment for you, the moment you trust in me that I did that for you, I give you my righteousness. Your sins are forgiven. There's nothing to keep you out of heaven. All by what he has done, not by what we do. All right? This is amazing. That's what redemption is. You pay a price to bring something out of bondage. All right? When I was growing up, I was intrigued by this place. I don't know, because it's just a simple thing. I grew up in South Florida, as my wife did, and uh, how many of you remember S&H green stamps? Anybody? Oh my, look at all the hands. All right. There was this one place I would go with my mom, maybe just once a year she would go. She would shop, and the store she shopped at gave out S&H green stamps, you know, and And of course, I didn't know. I thought it was cool at the time. She'd give them to me to put in the books. Yeah. (laughs) But anyways, lick, put, lick, put. Oh, I love the big ones that, you know, you just put a couple on a page that took care of it. But anyway, she'd collect these books. And we'd take them down to the place, the store. But it wasn't called the store. And here's all these things you can buy with the books of stamps. And I thought it was the neatest thing because you're not paying money for them. Smoke and mirrors, right? You're not paying money for that stuff. All you're doing is giving these things with stamps in the paper and you go in and you say, okay, that one's so many of these. I'll I'll deliver that out of your store by paying the price for that. You know what the stores were called? Redemption centers. The redemption center. S&H redemption center. That thing, that item was held captive in that store. You go in with the right payment, you make the payment, you get that delivered out. Listen, we are in the slave market of sin. Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to shed my blood and make the payment necessary to deliver that individual to free them from eternal damnation into my presence in heaven. This is what God has done. If Jesus paid the price, let me ask you this. Let's say in a lifetime you commit a million sins. When Jesus died on the cross, friend, he paid for all of them. One million minus one million equals what? Zero. Let's say you might, well, I'm not that bad. I only, I only committed 200,000 sin. And by the way, I don't think probably calculators can contain. But anyways, 200,000. Okay, well maybe, quote unquote, you're not as bad as man A or human being A. 200,000. When Jesus died on the cross, 200,000 minus 200,000 leaves how much? Zero. Zero. So here's the point. When you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, all your sins are gone. There's nothing left for you to pay for. Therefore, where will you go? You go to heaven. What's keeping you out of heaven? Nothing. If you trust in Christ that he made the payment for you, there's nothing to
to keep you out of heaven. That's why you can know you're going to heaven when you die because you can't go to hell once you've trusted Christ. He was the propitiation, Jesus. Now you notice that in verse 24, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation. It's a big word. We don't use it much today. It means this, the satisfactory payment. Jesus died for our sins, paid for them all, and here it is. How do we know the payment he made satisfied God? Because the Bible says God raised him from the dead. He was resurrected. So God is satisfied with the payment Jesus made. For you to be saved, you need to be satisfied with the one who satisfied God. This is a wonderful truth. He redeemed us. He bought us unto himself through his blood sacrifice on Calvary and rose from the grave. Also notice this, according to verse um, 24, being justified freely, how? By his grace. Now there's that beautiful word, grace. You notice it up here on this this, uh, sign. For by grace are you saved. What is that? Grace. Let me give you an expanded definition. I think it's very colorful and explains it well. Grace is this, it is a favor done without expectation of return. The absolute free expression of the loving kindness of God to men finding its only motive in the bounty and the benevolence of the giver, capital G. Unearned, unmerited favor. In other words, God extends grace to hell-bound sinners, you and me. God extends that. And it's a gift because by its very nature, grace is a gift. God extends that and he says, I want to give this to you. My son bought and paid your way to heaven. It's a gift. I want you to have it. He paid the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice for you. He became sin for you. The one who knew no sin, that you could be made the righteousness of God in him. And I want you to have it. You might say, that sounds too good to be true. That's what grace is. That's what grace is is, okay? It's God's loving kindness too. It's absolutely free. And so what's the point? What does that bring us to? Our third point today and our last one is this. We only need to believe. For you to have eternal life, for you to live with God forever in heaven, he's asking you to simply believe, to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. When we trust in Christ, we are justified. We saw that word at the beginning of verse 24, being justified freely by his grace. The word justify means to be declared as righteous. It is God who declares us as righteous. When? Now catch this. When you trust in Jesus Christ as your savior, all your sins are gone. God gives you his very own righteousness, thereby he can declare you as righteous because he's given you his righteousness because you put your faith in Christ. He says that person is righteous. Now, if you are as righteous as God, then who in the world can condemn you? Romans 8 says nobody. Nothing ever, no person, no place, no angel, nothing can condemn you once you have the righteousness of God. Scripture says all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Isn't that great? If it is free, and it is, 
then it must be by grace. And if, if it is grace, then it is free. Because friends, if it's not free, that means you have to do something. Guess what? That's not grace. Grace is free. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. And it's by grace you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ, that not of yourselves, you can't save yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Notice gift, grace, they always go together. Gift and grace always go together. Verse 26, to declare at this time his righteousness, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where's boasting then? Okay, Where's boasting? You're going to earn your way to heaven? You can't. We're all guilty. We're lost. We're condemned. The only way you can get there is receiving salvation as a gift from God. Trust in Christ. He gives you his righteousness. He forgives you of all your sin. So where's boasting then? Well, it is excluded. By what law? Works? You can boast because you worked your way to heaven? Look what it says. Nay. No way. But by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law, okay? It's not Jesus and our good works. It's Jesus alone, what he did for us on the cross. The word without means apart from. Verse 29, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, that's us. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith, that's the Jew, and the uncircumcision through faith, that's the Gentile. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Why is that? Why is that? Because the law shows us we're guilty and condemned, therefore it points us to Jesus Christ. It points us to him. You can't save yourself. You need to look outside of yourself for a savior. Jesus says, I am he, I am he. And I will give you my righteousness and I'll give you eternal life if you'll trust in me as your savior. Folks, all of us are in the same predicament, but God is willing to save anyone who will come by faith. Now again, people say, well, that's, that's it? That's, that's the end? I've reached my goal? No, 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 that's just the beginning. That's that's." You're now born again. You're, you're a child of God. And now God gives us the privilege to continue learning and growing. Okay? And God can bless our lives if we'll follow his word. But following his word won't get you in. It's what he's been trying to tell us. Okay? Salvation's a gift. It's a good to serve the Lord and do good. Yes, it is. But that won't save you. We're talking about how to get to heaven. And the only way is through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Let me ask you today, if you were to die right now, you might say, not me, I just ran five miles this morning. Well, you're a pretty good candidate. (laughs) I say, don't you believe in running? Only when I'm being chased. (laughs) Now my knees, my knees can't take that. Years ago, I, I, uh, I tore some cartilage in my right knee, and, and they repaired it, and everything was good, but they said this. They said, uh, uh, we, we really don't recommend, if you don't want to come back here, we really don't recommend that you run. Are you a runner? And I said, no. I said, I'm a walker. They said, walking's fine. We don't recommend you run. So now I have an excuse. See, that's so, 
Isn't that great? Doctor's orders, don't run. I'm, I'm good. I'm good with that. Here's the point, though. If you were to die, and you could die today, friend. You could die before you even eat Thanksgiving dinner with us. If you were to die today, do you know for sure, right now, do you know you're going to heaven? Do you know your sins are forgiven? Do you know you have everlasting life? If not, God is offering it to you today. It is a gift, okay? If my Bible was eternal life, here's God. He says, I'm offering you eternal life. It's been bought and paid for through the blood of my son. This is not cheap grace. It's amazing grace. Bought and paid for through the blood of my son. Will you receive it? How? By receiving him. When you trust in him, you receive the gift of eternal life. It's a gift. You can't earn it. Well, I, I feel like here, let me, let, me, let me pay you something for it. God says, no, that's an insult. I sacrificed my son so you could have it as a love gift from me. Will you receive it, friend? If God offers you eternal life and you receive it, then what do you have? Eternal life. When do you have it? People say, oh, when you offer it. No, when you receive it. I can offer that. Listen, we do this every week. I can offer you eternal life in heaven. It is God offering it to you. It's a gift. I can offer it. He offers it to you, but you can reject it. If you reject it, guess what? Your sins will never be forgiven. You'll spend forever separated from God. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to live forever in heaven with him. Will you trust Christ to give you that gift of eternal life? No strings attached. Honestly, no strings attached. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.